Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Sue, a visual artist. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks so much for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we've spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these thoughts kernels because they are the start of much bigger ideas. We thought we'd share some of these with you, so... Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is the old gods. The old gods or old ones is the name that those on the path term any of the ancient gods, goddesses, whose energy was increased by human worship or devotion in the long past. We do not choose to work with specific beings as part of a pantheon, but the overall energy created. This available energy relates to characteristics given by or presented to humanity. Ancient gods and goddesses had characteristics and larger-than-life emotions in their stories. For example, there was often a god or goddess of learning. Other gods and goddesses were associated with various natural phenomena that humans did not have scientific explanations for, such as a god of lightning. These energies can be seen as cross-cultural or almost archetypal in nature. We are animists because we do believe in the transcendent divine that is responsible for the continuous creation of the universe. Within the pagan community, there are polytheists who believe and they worship the gods and goddesses of ancient times again. We believe that the reappearance of this energy in the modern world is based on the fact that the ancient energies of worship and belief in them over thousands of years has left its imprint on our world and that it is possible to tap into this energy for our personal practices. Simply put, we do not work with specific deities in our rituals, nor do we have any personal patron god or goddesses. A belief in specific god or goddesses or not is up to the individual. We have been talking about the various energies that we work with at different times as part of our practices. A couple of episodes ago, we introduced how we think about these energies in general and kind of a overview of the ones we work with. And we've talked about the physical energies of the universe. And we have talked about genus loci or spirit of place in the last couple of episodes. So today we move on to yet another type of energy that we loosely term the old ones or the old gods. Mm -hmm. I know when you and I first started practicing and we knew each other before we came together to practice together. We have been part of groups who focused on you have to have a pantheon of some sort and go out and find one and connect with it and find, as they say, a patron god or goddess who is supposed to guide you and, you know, be on your side for all of this. Oh, and yeah, that was that was like lesson one or two in Wicca 101. Yeah, and I think you and I have moved beyond that just because for one thing 
I don't know about you, but I've never had a god or goddess come up to me in any shape or form and say, here I am, you're mine, kind of thing, you know, and, and we don't. No, and I, I, I respect the fact that some people feel that way. Or have been touched by it. That's uh, what have, exactly. I don't downplay anybody's experience. Just like, you know, I have friends that have known since they were eight that they wanted to be a teacher. I did not have that experience growing up. I did. I'm sometimes I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. But there are there. It has enough breadth and enough room to be able to have that open endedness. I think so. And I kind of like what we've settled on. The idea is whether the gods were here and humans found them or the fact that humanity needed explanations for things and put energy into worship of whatever that energy was that created what might be termed the ancient gods and goddesses. They, they're here. The energy is here still. Right. And I think it's still here because humanity invested so much energy of worship and belief in the past. And that a lot of the energies are cross-cultural. It may have different names, you know, different mm -hmm. groups throughout the world had, for example, a storm god. And this group called it X, and this group called it Y, and that group over there called it Q. But it was still the same storm energy that was being personified in that particular culture's god or the goddess of it. Right, the essence of it. The essence of it. And I think that essence is what has come down to us mm -hmm. in the present and is what we tap into when we talk about collectively the old gods. Oh, absolutely. And it makes perfect sense. You know, I first and foremost, I consider myself an energy worker. And the concept that you just described is the coalescing or um, just multiplicative effect of increasing energy. Mm -hmm. And the more energy you put into something, the stronger it is. We know that with spell work, with, <laughs> with having arguments, the more energy you put in, the bigger it gets, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think one of the reasons that energy is still here is there are people who still believe in those gods today and worship them in their own ways. I don't think the gods are oh, absolutely. like the ancient Greeks had their own rituals and things. And let's be honest, we're not living in ancient Greece. Right. So you cannot, regardless of whether you're a reconstructionist or whatever you want to call it, I don't think you can ever duplicate that experience of worship. But the wanting to worship, I think, is what has kind of re, not, I don't say reinvigorated, but you know what I mean, sort of reawakened. Yes. Energy's awareness in the modern world in a lot well, of Well, sometimes called the neo-pagan movement. Yeah, exactly. That we yeah. are trying to recover lost lore, but it really isn't a recovery. It's a 
it's a reinterpretation because we can only look at it through our eyes and our worldview and our experience. You know, I can't make myself into a Hellenistic Greek. <laughs> From 5,000 years ago. From exactly. 5,000 years ago. <laughs> if you believe in past lives, you might have been one of those people, but it isn't. it doesn't inform or color today to day experience now. No, and I wasn't Cleopatra either, so that's okay. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> How many people have said that there's a reincarnation of Cleopatra that we've heard over the years? It's it's a nice dream in that sense. Yeah. You know, we were more likely to be somebody who was carrying her care around for her than Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. You know, but yeah, but the idea behind it, I think, is solid. You know. Oh, the, absolutely. The, it's a, It's a solid energy argument. Oh yeah, the energy is is real. We've mm-hmm. we've been touched by it. We have said, "Can you assist us with whatever?" and been able to get that assistance and acted appropriately and offered, you know, mm-hmm. and incense or you know something in return. So in that essence, we 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 worship, but we're not specific about it. No, it it doesn't need specificity in that perspective because you are dealing with the whole, the energy, the essence. Exactly. And it has, yes, you know, when they talk about goddess of a 10,000 names, it's the energy that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. You know. And so. use whatever names feel comfortable to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's why we're putting it under the title of old gods, because that is it's the largest title I can put on that energy. I think so. It's all encompassing then. Yes. You know, we're not saying that we are working from a specific cultural perspective. We're not working with a specific pantheon as part of our practices. If that's what you're called to do, though, great. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're not saying that you're wrong. You know, we're not. Oh, not at all. And I think that's one of the things that we stress through all of our discussions is that this is our perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're sharing it with you in the hopes that maybe you've been kind of feeling the same way and wasn't reading or encountering it somewhere to feel Mm -hmm. validated in that sense. Or violently disagreeing with us not you know, not, not that you're coming with a gun to my door you know saying you know you've lost your way kind of thing but disagreements if they're handled correctly because i like the phrase you can disagree without being disagreeable yes different points of view is and hearing and being willing to consider them is i think one of the best ways to grow spiritually oh absolutely it allows you to say yes I see your point of view. It's not mine. And this is why. And mm-hmm. it allows you to, to solidify in your own head what you believe and why you believe it and why it makes sense to you. Your offering of that acceptance to another point of view reinforces the fact that you also have that freedom to believe what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. And it, it reinforces it 
for both people if they allow it to. Well, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> We've had disagreements over the years with some people who just didn't get no think like we do and that's okay too you know everybody is kind of where i i've learned to live and let live with a lot of people in terms of mm -hmm. religion and politics you know they're where they're at and you cannot change yep. anyone's mind the only person who can do that is them and that's when you just kind of okay you smile and nod and it and try and change the subject <laughs> for the nearest exit when necessary yeah exactly i don't know i i kind of like the idea too that we do believe in transcendent divine whatever you choose to call it the all that is or whatever that is the creative force behind the universe too mm -hmm. so i am not one of these people who thinks the big bang happened without purpose well yeah to me there is for me that's still ineffable mm -hmm. i know something must have happened because we're here exactly but it is beyond my comprehension at this point exactly i mean we are physical people and therefore have limits of what we can understand but we uh, have the thirst to want to understand oh, please yes and that's where i think yeah because you and i tend to believe in both imminent and transcendent divine you know we all have that spark of divine in us which is what right allows us to to wonder about what's out there well that's kind yeah. of like the being able to change the things that we have power over mm -hmm. and those are that's your uh imminent divine mm -hmm. and then accept the things that you don't understand and you can't change and that's transcendent divine and it's, really it is acceptance yeah that is you know but in the, in the long run, the important point is it is another type of powerful energy that we can tap into for support for things. You know, when we want to do ritual and we want to do spell work or when we do ritual, like big rituals. Right. To invite those energies to come if they want. You know, it's like extending an invitation to the party. If you're not busy next Saturday and want to show <laughs> up, you know, and we don't expect it to automatically show up. We don't command, we don't demand, but by the same token, we enjoy it when it does. Well, and it's, it's, I don't know necessarily that, that energy comes or not. I think energy presents itself or energy is there, mm -hmm. just like sacred space is always sacred. Mm-hmm. But there may be a point where we are not in tune with that or we're just not not feeling it. Not paying attention. <laughs> or not paying attention. Exactly. No, no, that is a perfect way to put it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I mean when I say it shows up. Right. For some reason at that particular moment, we're in the right space or time or thing we're trying to mm -hmm. accomplish and that energy just clicks it or the right. that energy is supporting what we're doing clicks well it. and and to be able to make things a little more abstract i think when you're dealing with the concept of old gods people people so want to anthropomorphize and to you know, make God in our image. 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and and it does it does make it easier sometimes to comprehend and to attribute and to just correlate with something if you can make it more like yourself. And I I know I've 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 been in that point about different energies at different times in my life. But I love the fact that when we talk about it, you can subscribe any attribute to that energy. The whole energy itself you can work with, or you can take out and just work with the symbol of an old god. I agree. You know, you're not limited at all. And I think those symbols are what we talk about when we talk about cross culture. When you think, when you read like some of the old myths and legends, the gods are humanized in terms of like the old Greek myths where they're mad at, you know, the, the, who was it? Zeus and Hera, their relationship Mm -hmm. as as an old married couple. Yes. Where it reads like a soap opera. But people, when, when, when telling stories and some, you know, parables, it's much easier for you to learn and teach when it's something much closer to your experience. Mm-hmm. And the feelings in these myths tend to be, of the gods anyway, tend to be so much larger than life. Like it's a movie in that sense. You know, when mm-hmm. you go to the movies and, and, you have your own relationship and you're sitting there holding hands with your partner and you're eating popcorn or whatever. And there is a dramatic love story on the screen. The one on the screen is like larger than life. The emotions are 10 times higher. You know, there's no like a, a quiet crying in the corner. It's dramatic <laughs> of doors and, you know, all of that. And that's kind of what I mean by the, the emotions and the experience of the, the gods are like a soap opera and seem larger in life in the old stories. I think that because the storytellers, like you said, and the people who are hearing the stories kind of put their collective experience and say of the emotion of love or anger or jealousy or whatever into the story. So you have all these people who have taken all of their jealousy and placed it on a god or goddess to experience in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so that so that it's bigger and and more powerful in that sense. And I think that that's if you look at the old stories or the characteristics of different old gods, in the sense that they te- seem to fall almost into two categories: human emotions, love, the feeling of home, place, the desire to learn or to craft or to make, that sort of god or goddess. Mm -hmm. The ones who are linked to natural phenomena, the god or goddess of the sun and moon, a storm, lightning, earthquakes, typhoons, Mm -hmm. all the natural phenomenon that science had progressed to the point where we had explanations of why they happened. You know, certain weather conditions come together and create a typhoon. Right. The thing. And we now know that how it works, where it comes from, meteorologically, we can't stop it. You know, we can't control it. 
So it's right. still a natural phenomenon in that sense. You know, well, what, what's the saying? With the high ground. Any science that is beyond your comprehension is magic. Yeah, pretty much. I butchered that one. I know, but yeah, yeah. It, the, the point is made, though. But and it, get, and it's all about connection. Yeah, exactly. So that if you have these, for want of a better word, categories of gods and goddesses, arch, archetypal energy or symbology or whatever, and you go around the world, you find different names, but the energy or symbology associations are common. Mm -hmm. There's usually a god of some kind of storm or goddess in every culture that had gods and goddesses back then. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they may have been, you know, if you're here where you experience thunder and lightning a lot, then maybe it's a god or goddess of thunderstorms. And if you're living in the northern climes, maybe it's a god or goddess of blizzards. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But it still relates to the same idea. Um, right. It's the, still the same energy. It's still the same energy. There is a storm coming. Yes. As they used to say. <laughs> you know. So I find I find that interesting that at their most basic, in a lot of ways, the gods are like the most basic parts of people at the same mm -hmm. time, which I think is where we connect. Back to connections. Back to connections. I think it all comes down to connections and awareness, mm -hmm. you know, and finding new ways to kind of look at the same old stories and the same old puzzles and see, like you said, with the neo-pagan movement, they're not going back to what was, but finding what works now. Oh, that's a perfect way to say that. And I think that's what witches have always done. We've always mm -hmm. been practical ones behind the scenes. Who are like, yeah, this mm -hmm. worked yesterday, but we don't have this particular whatever anymore. What do we have that's the same now that works? Right. To get the same result that we got yesterday. So <laughs> I think that's kind of a good place to tie this up before we get even more convoluted and confused. <laughs> Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's spotlight, we'll be looking at the witch stone, Summer Solstice also known as Midsummer. Concrete stones focus on a specific physical energy rather than a concept, and the next four concrete stones link the four sabbats together, which are used in the practice of the craft. The third sabbat is Summer Solstice, which displays a pictograph of a red bonfire burning from black logs. For those of us who walk the path, which is what we call our spiritual practice, each Sabbath is associated with a change in the focus of solar energy. Summer solstice marks the calendar date for the start of the season of summer. The path considers this day the peak of light energy because it is the longest day of the year, but it also marks the faint beginnings of the return of dark energy, 
while we are in the middle of the light half of the year. Summer solstice magical correspondences include growth and empowerment, abundance and celebration, and a burst of inspiration to bring plans to fruition. The scene energy for the summer solstice stone in a reading is abundant energy, transcendent divine, and burst of energy. Abundant energy may seem like a double-edged sword. While you may feel you are accomplished, you are able to accomplish anything, it's also valuable to invest some energy into self-care. Transcendent divine refers to a connection to the external divine of the universe, and you may be feeling it strongly right now. A burst of energy may be available at this time to really push you forward. The unseen energy for the summer solstice stone in a reading is smoldering energy, imminent divine, and stuck in a rut. Smoldering energy may refer to energy that just needs something to fan the flames. Imminent divine is that divine spark within us all, and you may be feeling it strongly within you at this time. Stuck in a rut may tell you that you need to see where you could try something different to change your routine. Before we go, we'd like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint, just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is all about fire safety. We've been talking about various uses of candles in the last couple of hints, and it seems like a good time to discuss fire safety, which are not hints, but things you really need to do every time you are using fire as part of ritual or spell work. Some of these may sound like basic ideas that, oh my God, I know that. Why are you asking me to remember this stupid, easy stuff? But all we need to do is forget one time and the house burns down and you have a problem. So, number one, never leave anything burning under unattended, whether it's a small candle, a charcoal disc for loose incense, or a fire in a pit somewhere. Practical note here, if there's a fire, your homeowner's or renter's insurance won't cover your claim if they can prove you are negligent in any way, and leaving something burning and walking away is just that. Number two, most witches who burn loose incense use those charcoal discs as a source of fire. Make sure you have a fireproof container to place these discs in when you light them. It helps to have a layer of sand or other fireproof material underneath to help absorb the heat as well. We have a small metal cauldron we use and also place a heat-safe container underneath. Not related to fire safely directly, if you've been burning incense, don't pick up the container and until it has had a chance to cool completely. Avoiding burned fingers is always a positive experience. Number three, if you're going to be having ritual outside, Always, always, always have a fire extinguisher or source of water within reach if you are burning anything from candles to having a fire. Again, this is Fire Safety 101. 
All it takes is a good spark with a breeze from a bonfire to set something major on fire. And avoiding this possibility as much as possible with ways to extinguish them handy is vital. Number four, consider the weather before you plan to burn anything that relates to a ritual or spell outside. If you're in an area experiencing a drought, you should reconsider using actual fire outdoors and wait for drought to pass. If you have things you plan to burn as part of a ritual, you can always keep them aside and take care of burning them later on. If it is windy, make sure you place any candles in fireproof jars before you light them. Not only will this give you a better chance of keeping them lit during gusts of wind, it also will eliminate some of the potential disasters that can occur if one tips over. If it's inside the jar, it probably won't ignite the immediate area. Number five, most fire pits you can use, purchased um, or get from given used gifts or you have one at your home already, come with a lid that attempts to contain any loose bits of fire from blowing around the area. Keep the lid on unless you are adding wood or placing items to be burned in the flames. Think ahead about how flammable anything is that you potentially want to burn, because it might be a good plan to stop way back in case it flares up when it ignites, and make sure to clap that lid back on as soon as you feed it to your flames. Number six, if you are practicing with a group of people, regardless of how many of them there are, and want to place candles around an area, make sure they are well out of the way of where people are going to be. Placing them up off the ground if possible so people are more likely to see them is also a good plan. Number seven, considering people as part of a ritual, including yourself, is important. Clothing and hair can catch on fire easily as well. While a robe with flowing sleeves may look cool, making sure you keep them well away from any open flames is vital. If you have long hair, keeping it out of the way also matters a great deal. Not only are we not trying to burn witches as part of a ritual, but burning hair really stinks and will definitely ruin this, the atmosphere of a ritual. Not to mention, you won't be able to smell your incense either. And finally, number eight. If you have children or pets in your personal environment and want to burn candles for spell work, make sure they are placed in spots well out of their reach. All it takes is one candle to tip and a fire can result. We know people have actually burned candles in their bathtubs so that they won't be disturbed and are near water if needed to extinguish them unexpectedly. Remember, the universe doesn't care where or what you burn so long as your intention is clear. And when? Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two Young Crones, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And our Twitter handle is at Two Young Crones. Check out our merch at our Teespring store. We also have a Patreon account called the Young Crones Cafe, where you can support the podcast if you enjoy our efforts. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. 
We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be.